0: What's going on, family? This is Pastor Sergio Chavez, and I just want to thank you for tuning into the Hope Center podcast. Tell me, how has your life changed since you became a mother? I'm interested in that. How has your life changed? The
1: two words that come to my mind are challenging and exciting. Um, the challenging part was because literally bringing a child into the world completely changes your life and sometimes upside down um, I had to realize that the person that I was or the things that I wanted to do or did do back then in terms of you know my husband and I might have done like Walmart runs for like Krispy Kremes at 2 a.m. if we wanted to on a Friday or a Saturday night we couldn't do that anymore um or you know, going out with friends. Like no, her bedtime is nine o'clock. I have to be home by nine now. I can't just stay out until midnight. Um, so uh, my the lifestyle had to change. So that was one of the most challenging things because you're so accustomed to one thing, and you have to realize that when a child comes into the world, it is your choice. You chose to bring the child in, um, and because it was a choice that we made. I could now not neglect her and say, oh, you're now a burden on me. No, I chose this. Mm -hmm. Um, So I had to be willing to put aside maybe some of the things that I wanted, making a lot of sacrifices um, in order to be the mother, at least the best mother, or to try to be the best mother that I could to her. Um, but the exciting part is the, the one that keeps me fueled and that keeps me going during the times that I become frustrated, the times that I become angry, emotionally weak. Um, there are times when I'm just like, I don't know what I got myself into. W- like, what are we going to do about X or Y situation? Um, and then Kalea will walk into the room and just give me a hug. Without me asking for one, or give me a kiss, or when I walk in to get her in the morning, she's smiling and says, Mama? (laughs) Um, Or, you know, when I'm giving her something and then she goes, Thank you, and walks away. (laughs) And it's just. These little moments that literally last sometimes a split second that remind me, wow, this is why, this is why we decided to do this. There's so much joy that has come into our lives. Um, I'm not even going to lie. My husband and I even, we, we don't like to call it argue. We call it discussing. We, um... We passionately discuss less <laughs> because when we see her, it's like we're, we're now her role models. She's a sponge. She absorbs everything. If I hit Pharrell because he does something bad, guess who Pharrell's goes right behind? me? Not
0: everybody knows. Oh, yeah, Pharrell, Pharrell is we have our a dog. you like hitting <laughs> Pharrell. Who, are you, who are you mistreating? Uh,
1: if I <laughs> give him a spanking because he did something bad, who's right behind me spanking him too? She is. So I'm realizing, wow, she really is emu- emulating and copying everything that we do Um, but the exciting thing is just to know that I've been given an opportunity to raise someone um, and that God has given me has honored me with and entrusted me with the opportunity to bring into this world and train somebody up in his ways to someday be everything that she's been called to be and that is what I look forward to and that's what's exciting
0: Amen Thank you for that What does it mean to you to be a mother? I know you kind of describe what it's like, but what is, if you can just briefly um, share, what does it mean for you to be a mother?
1: Um, I think for me, a mother is somebody who is nurturing Hmm. and nurturing doesn't mean that you have to be soft. I think sometimes that's one of the things we get twisted. Hmm. Um, I think a, a woman who is nurturing is one who is strong, is protective, is a shoulder to lean and cry on. Um, you know, so it's, there's, a, for me, nurturing is a lot of strong qualities. Mm. Um, and then the other aspect of that too, the protection piece. A mother really is somebody who protects her own. She protects when we, when we even look at mammals and how, um, you know, other life creation protects their own and protect their kin. Mothers are the protectors of the home. And so a lot of times we look to men to do that, but it is our responsibility, and Proverbs 31 even talks about the noble woman, and that is an aspect of her character. She is a protector of her home. That's right. So being somebody who also protects yours, and trust me, a mother will go hard for her kids, even if her kids are in the wrong. Um, and so I said nurturing, a protector, and then a teacher, and the reason why I'm gonna say teacher is, is because it. while at the end of the day there does come a certain point in our lives when we have to let go and realize that our kids are now making their own choices and we we don't really have much say in that, Um, up until a certain point, it is my job to do everything I possibly can to teach her between right and wrong and to teach her to make... Wise and right decisions consistently, Mm -hmm. and hope that she carries that on um, through the rest of her life. But that also means that forever I continue to be a mother. That's right. Even after she gets married and she got her kids, mama's still over here, so don't get it twisted.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. What is, um, lastly, here, what is a valuable lesson that your mother taught you that you carry with you for your entire life?
1: I'm going to say prayer. Hmm. My mother was a single mother. My husband was abusive, so I yeah, grew up- Yeah,
0: your father.
1: My father. Yeah, yeah, oh, I you said say husband. Your husband. Oh Praise my God. Lord, I rebuke the devil. <laughs> no, I, I, we rebuke the devil in the name of Jesus. Satan. <laughs> I'm speaking like my mom, this is how she speaks, my husband was abusive. Um, my father was abusive. I saw a lot of domestic violence in my home. Um, so eventually when they did separate, my mother was raising three girls on her own, mm. uh, cleaning houses, doing whatever she had to do to make ends meet. Um, but one thing that I firmly remember because I shared a room with my mother is at five in the morning, she was up every day praying. Come on. Um, and it didn't matter what the situation was, she was crying out to God, saying, I don't know how we're going to make it this month, but I know we're going to make it. I don't know how I'm going to get the meal tonight, but I know you're going to provide. Mm. And she would take oil, like she would buy from La Tienda Latina, the Goya oil, the extra Some of y'all don't know about the oil. <laughs>
0: The, <laughs> How many of y'all know about the oil? Let me. Sh- the oil. All right, for those that don't, parents, for those that don't know about the oil, the, well, that's for another message. Yeah. I explain that. That's what you pray with sometimes. Yeah. What you pray with is anointing oil.
1: But my mother would take extra virgin olive oil and mm-hmm. and and anointed, and then she'd pray and touch everything and touch us from head to toe, and every day without fail she anointed us and she covered us in prayer and she prayed for us and it was, I mean. To see where I am now, I know is a result of her prayers because there were so many opportunities and chances that I had to leave this walk. But the one prayer that she always said every day that stuck with me, even in the midst of the the times when I was getting ready to make some decisions with some of my friends, all I would hear is my mom's voice, Remember that you are the head and not the tail, that you are on top and never below, that you have been chosen to be a light in the midst of darkness, and you will leave footprints that others will follow. Mm. And those words have stuck with me till this day, and till this day, my mother leaves me voicemails with the same message. Do you,
0: you have an hour one? I just, I know we didn't plan that, but that would be cool I you know, would I call ha- one. I
1: know but I wouldn't have did, to search. you delete all of them no I don't delete it's all the them.
0: most hilarious thing her mother would call her and she would be like Francesca she would like I haven't heard from you in three days where you been I love you I've been praying for you you're the head and not the test so <laughs> she's like praying for her rebuking her correcting like all in one in, <laughs> one, in minute. one minute it's, it's ridiculous but she's she, Dominican she a firecracker
1: but she always ends the message with the same thing and I've since as long as I can remember I've been hearing that same prayer mm. um, and it is the one prayer that i know i am practicing even now and will con- and will instill in my children because when they are in the middle of making any decision even at 30 40 50 years old i want them to remember that they are the head and not the tail that's right that they are above and never below come on. that they have been chosen to be light in the midst of darkness and that they will leave footprints that others will follow
0: amen come on can we celebrate and put our hands together for that that's an awesome word what, um, how would you encourage the mothers today?
1: So finally, I think my last words for any mothers, any aspiring mothers, anybody who, you know, is saying at one point or another, I know I want to be a mom. Um, stay faith-filled mm. during your walk. Being a mother is not easy but it is rewarding, and the Bible says that children are an inheritance of God. Something that my mother always told me was, you guys are not mine, and the decisions that I make or the reasons why I correct you the way that I do or restrict you or cover you or protect you the way that I do is because one day, my father is gonna ask me for an account of how I raised you all.
0: That's
1: right. And being faith-filled is going to be so important in that walk because a lot of times the, the me, the, self, the selfishness in us, the ego in us or the pride wants to take over even during the time that we're raising our children. But we have to remember, how would God deal with this situation? How would he correct me? We see that every day even in the interactions that we have with our kids. Sometimes our kids do things that get on our nerves, but we decide to walk away because we don't wanna beat them down or whatever it is that we have to do. Um, And so just remember that as you fear the Lord, he will give you the wisdom and the guidance to train up your child in his way because every child is gonna be different. Every child has been called, with a unique purpose, has a unique destiny, and it is our responsibility as mothers and fathers, but more importantly as mothers, to protect that calling, to speak into that calling, to cultivate that calling, and to train our children up in that calling. Mm. Your children may not know what they are destined to be, but you do. That's right. As a mother, you do. Kalea doesn't know yet what she wants to be when she grows up. But trust and believe that God has already given me a sense of what she will be. And even as of now, I'm praying for her. For my daughter that is unborn, today. I'm already praying for her and for everything that God is depositing within her to give me the strength and the wisdom that I need to train her up. Because one day I know that I'm gonna be presented before my father and he's gonna ask me, did you fulfill your responsibility with the inheritance that I gave you. It wasn't yours, it was mine. So what did you do with it? Mm. So just remember that the one gift that God has given us after our salvation, he's given all of us that, but the one special and unique gift that he has given to you as a mother is the opportunity to train up your child. The gift of being able to give birth, to recognize what your child is called to be, and to cultivate that, and make sure that everything that you do You are doing it first and foremost because you wanna honor God with the children that you are bringing up. But secondly, because in honoring God, God will also honor you. The end of Proverbs 31 says that a blessed woman, a a virtuous woman is recognized in the city because of the praises of her children. Not just the praises of her husband, but the praises of her children. And when I grow old, I don't want my kids to come up and say, oh, my mother was a great pastor, she was a great leader. She was a, I want them to say, she was a great woman, mother, and example to me. Mm. And I hope to be half the woman that she is. Mm. But my prayer will always be that they will be better. Mm. So.
0: That's beautiful. Now I don't have too much time. I'll continue this message next week, as I'm in, I've been encouraged you continue to come out over the next several weeks. We've been discussing the pillars of Hope Center. The pillars is when everything is all said and done in our church, what are our, our core values? What are the things that we're standing on? When the lights cut out and when we tear down these curtains and when we, we kind of eliminate what's seen on the surface level, what is at our core? Uh, We said that we want to have five specific pillars in our church, and we started last week by discussing the pillar of prayer. And this week, I want to discuss very briefly, I'll continue this message, the pillar, the second pillar that we have in our church that is the Word of God. So first was prayer, because prayer is absolutely vital for our lives as believers, but just people in general, that is our pillar, that's what we stand on, that's what we lean on, that's what we absolutely need, and then the second pillar that we have in our church is the Word of God. Now the Word of God is written in three different languages, our Bible, has about over 600,000 words written by more than 40 traditional authors, written by people from diverse occupational backgrounds, and the Bible was written throughout three different continents. So it's a book that's over 2,000 years old and and, and collected over hundreds and thousands of years, and yet it is something that to this day has the power to transform our lives. The fact is, besides everything that I just mentioned, the fact is that the Bible, the Word of God, has the power to transform our lives. Charles Swindle, who's a pastor, I love what uh, what he said, he stated, news articles may inform us when we read the news, it gives us information. Novels may inspire us when we read books, they can inspire us. Poetry may entrap us and enrapture us, but only the living, active Word of God can transform us." There's a particular scripture in Hebrews chapter four, verse 12, if we could go there, Hebrews chapter four, verse 12, that I really want us to to dissect and break down. Hebrews chapter four, verse 12 says, for the word of God, listen here, is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates, even dividing the soul and the spirit the joints and the marrow. It judges our thoughts and attitudes of our heart. The writer of Hebrews is writing to a majority of Jewish audience, and so the book of Hebrews was a book that was written using a lot of analogies from the Old Testament because they were Jewish and so they followed the law, they followed what's called the Torah. The Torah is uh, the books of Genesis through Deuteronomy, five books that makes up the Torah. And so because these Jewish Christians now, they were new to the faith, and so now they were following this new faith, following this man called Jesus. Now they find themselves hearing from this writer and he's explaining to them the analogies of how important it is to trust. In God just as if when uh, when God created the universe and the heavens and the earth in the book of Genesis then he rested in the book in the in the in the fourth chapter of Hebrews where we're reading from the fourth chapter is a book that's dedicated to instructing us to rest in Christ to rest in God what does it mean to rest in God it means to trust God because what he was trying to prevent the people of God during that time in the book of Hebrews is doing the same thing that the Israelites did because when they were in the desert they began to doubt and they began to take matters into their own hands, and because of that, they began to do things their own way, and therefore, they didn't trust God to provide for them, to deliver them, to uh, carry and sustain them while they were in the desert. So now the writer of Hebrews is speaking to the Jewish believers, and he's saying, listen, I don't want you to do the same thing that the Israelites did in the desert. I want you to trust God. I want you to rest in Him. And so chapter four is talking about resting in him. And now we find ourselves in verse 12 where he's, te- he's teaching us how do we rest in him. We te- we, uh, he instructs us to rest and trust him by leaning on the word of God. And he says that the word of God is alive, active sharper than any double-edged sword so very quickly i just want want to run through these quick points for you number one the first thing you got to understand if you're taking notes i appreciate you for taking notes if you're taking notes i want you to write this down very important to understand that the word of god is a living word it's alive The writer was very specific in saying that the word of God is alive and active, meaning that when we read this book, it has power to bring dead things to life. I wish I had somebody that knew the power of the word that means dead things to come to life people who were dead in their faith to come alive dreams and things that were that were that were lying dormant purposes and dreams and goals ambitions that were dead the word of God has power to bring those things to life because the word of God is not simply a letter that we just read and when we read it's just something that we read as a novel or newspaper it has the power to bring us to life to transform us to wake the things that are lying dormant in our lives he said it's alive it's alive it's alive he says it's alive it's active and it's so powerful that 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 as a living word it continues through each age with compelling compelling relevance throughout the ages over 2,000 years uh, uh, many different authors so many people that have tried to discredit the Bible so many people that are anti-God and say that there are holes in the Bible there's inconsistencies in the Bible but yet still Still, people day after day are coming to faith and being transformed by this very word. you got to start to ask yourself, if a word is not true, check this out, if something is not true, then how can millions upon millions of people give their life for this? There's got to be something to it. it has got to be something transforming. And I, don't, I feel like preaching in these last minutes, I don't know if somebody's been transformed by the word of God, by the power of God, because it's alive. He said, it's alive, it's living, it's not dead. In fact, the scripture says in Isaiah that he said, God said to the prophet Isaiah, my word will never return to me empty. It will always come back and fulfill itself because it is alive. Second Timothy chapter three verse 16 says, all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness. All scripture is God breathed. All scripture is inspired by God. The reason why you can open up this Bible and get inspired is because God himself breathed on the writers he by divine revelation and inspiration had his hand on the writers and they were writing this caught up in the spirit wrote these words with inspiration that's why it inspires us today all scripture not just one part of it not just the New Testament not just the Old Testament all scripture is God breathed and that term God breathed means it's inspired by God and it's powerful It's powerful and we have access to this word. I don't know if you knew that God's word has the power to bring us to true health, fruitfulness, prosperity, and success. I don't know if you knew that. The word of God has healing power. I don't know if you knew that. God's word is cleansing. God's word when in our hearts it keeps us from sin. When we get the word of God in us it becomes like a counselor and, and it guides us. God's word is a source of strength. God's word is illumination and guidance. God's word can bring us peace in the most chaotic times. God's word when it's heard and understood it can make us bear fruit in our spiritual life. God's word has the inherent power and authority against demonic powers God's Word when we're living in God's Word it's evidence of true discipleship when we hear the Word of God it builds faith within us how does it do that because it's powerful and it's alive and then he goes on to say it's sharper than any two-edged sword the Romans the Romans in, in ancient times they had two different swords they had a sword that was long heavy and destructive And then they had one that was called a macheta. That's where we get the term machete, right? The macheta was small, but it was double-edged, making it even more powerful, effective, and efficient because it can cut on both sides. Now, he's using this analogy saying that the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword because here's the thing, that, that, that not only does the word of God impact, transform, or even cut through our spiritual lives, but it can even touch our soul. How do I know that? The scripture says it. It says that it divides soul, spirit, joints, and marrow. That means when you really get the word of God in you, it can affect your mind, your will, your intellect, and emotions. Not just spiritually, but even mentally. Not just mentally, but even emotionally and, 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 and intellectually. The word of God, when in you, it can penetrate, it's piercing, it reaches all aspects of our lives. Because the word of God wasn't just meant to affect us spiritually or one aspect of our lives. It's meant to impact and influence our whole lives. One man told the pastor... He said, Pastor, I read, I've read, i gone over the Bible several times and it hasn't inspired me one bit. He said, go back and read it because the thing is you just went over it. You've gone through it. But get the word inside of you and you're going to tell a different story. See, it's one thing to kind of graze over scriptures, but you're not getting it in you. But when you pray and say, God, illuminate me because there's some words in here that I do not understand. What in the world is a Leviticus? What is a Deuteronomy? What is a Job? A Job? What is it? I have no clue what this is. But when you say, God, illuminate my mind, because he can do that when you pray. We talked about that last week, right? Say, God, illuminate my mind before you read a verse. Before you read a scripture, say, God, help me by your spirit to understand these words. And after you pray and you read a verse, then begin to meditate on it. Don't just read it and say, well, I didn't get that. Let me just move on to the next thing. What's on Netflix? Pray, read a verse, and then meditate on it. Begin to ask God, how does this apply to my life? How can I practice this, what I'm reading? See, the thing is, the word of God gets inside of our hearts, in our minds, in our spirit, begin to penetrate every aspect of our lives. When we pray on it, when we read it, we meditate on it, and then we apply it. That's the only way the word of God can get in your heart. You've got to apply it. Y'all enjoy movies. Show of hands. How many y'all enjoy movies? Show of hands. I enjoy movies. Denzel Washington is my favorite actor. Y'all don't like Denzel? Denzel. Denzel was the man. That's a bad dude right there. Malcolm X. Man on Fire. Remember the Titans. Deja Vu. Training Day. King Kong. Ain't got nothing on me. Denzel is a bad dude, and in 2010 he had a movie that was called The Book of Eli. I don't know. Did y'all remember that movie? Book of Eli. is crazy, right? Book of Eli is a crazy movie. Uh, and so Denzel, is, he's playing this individual called Eli. He's living in about 2042, I think was the date. It's a post-apocalyptic apocalyptic world, and, 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 and you know, there's chaos, and there's lack of food and water and resources, and so this man, Eli, he's traveling uh, uh, you know, across the country and he, he's holding on to a book. And, you know, obviously it's a lot of action, that's why Denzel was the man, you know, he whooping on people, he fighting people, fighting off creatures and all types of, uh, but the thing was that there was a gang, there was a mob and the leader of the mob was named Carnegie and he was doing everything that he could to take the book away from Eli. Now, when you, I first was watching him, we had no clue what was going on. The whole time I'm watching him, I'm like, "What in the world is in that book?" Because he's he's fighting people. He's protecting it with his life. I'm talking about he whooping on everybody because he wants to hold on to this book. And so they're trying to take it away, but he's protecting this book because he doesn't want it in the wrong hands. He knew that he knew that in in his hands it was going to be manipulated. It was going to be used for evil, for power, or they were going to try to destroy the book. So he was holding it onto it. He was cherishing it, and he was he was willing to give his life for that book turns out y'all that the whole time Eli in the movie was blind and they were able to grab the book right they grabbed the hold of the book and when they opened the book it was written in braille so even when they got it they couldn't read it here's the thing the book was a bible it was the word of God It went to the end. I was like, man, this whole time it was a Bible. And so as he was traveling, he was blind, still whooping on people and doing all these things by instinct. He was blind just off instinct. Crazy, but that's Denzel. He's the man. He could do that in a movie. (laughs) And he has the Bible, and it was written in Braille, and he had memorized the entire Bible. So even though they took the book, it was in his head, and it was in his heart. So he had a scribe, and he started at the end of the movie, the last scene is is so gangster. He's in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was empty and void. And he just started quoting the scripture, and he has the scribes beginning to write the entire Bible from Genesis, to Revelation. What do I want you to get with this? This movie beautifully illustrated a man that cherished the word, was willing to do everything to hold on to the word. And we have access, y'all, to this powerful, powerful word. Word that when you, when you read this has the power to, 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 to change the trajectory of your life. And if you have questions, you know what the beautiful thing is when you have questions? It got the answers in it already, too. You just got to dig. In fact, the scripture says in, in the book of John chapter 5, it says, seek the word diligently for they have eternal life. It's like a well that as you start digging into it, you start getting water that's refreshing. But the more and more you dig is never ending. That's what the word of God is. The more you dig, the more you learn, the more you grow, the more you search, the more there is to find and it's never ending. Eli was willing to give his life for this word. And as I said last week, if you're not willing to stand for anything, you will fall for everything. What I'm praying for in our church is that we will be a church that will stand on the word of God as our pillar. Not on opinions, not on trends, but the word of God. What does God say? Husband, wife, when you need guidance, don't run to your flesh because that's why the Bible says that it penetrates through the spirit and the soul. The reason it does that is because, because we're never meant to resort to our flesh. We're meant to resort to the word of God. So that's why it has to penetrate and cut through flesh. Because when you, when you try to deal with matters in your flesh within your own abilities and capacities, you're going to find yourself limited. But when you get into the word of God, there's answers for your marriage. When you get in a word, there's answers for your vision in life. There's answers for your calling. There's answers for your spiritual life. But will you take up the challenge to read it? This could be the most powerful thing in your life, the most powerful and effective thing in your life. But will you pick it up this week? I want to challenge you this week. If you, if you, never, if you never read your Bible, you, listen, now it's so convenient. Back in the day, we didn't have Bible apps. Y'all can wake up, as soon as you wake up, hit that snooze button and pull up your Bible app. Read a verse. You don't gotta read a whole chapter in the beginning. Just get a verse. And if you're already reading a verse, like I said last week, take it this week to the next level. Read two verses. If you already read half of a chapter, read the whole chapter. And then just pray first. This is what I want you to do. Pray, read, meditate, apply. Say that with me. Pray, read, Meditate, Meditate. Apply. apply, pray. God, illuminate my mind. Read. Then say, God, how do I apply this to my life? How is this relevant to me? Because it's all relevant, it's timeless. Meditate on it, sit on it, think about it, and you'll begin to see how God begins to work in your mind, your will, your intellect, your emotions, and your spirit. Thanks so much again for tuning in. I hope that you join us the next time. If you are in the DMV area, please make sure to come out on a Sunday at 1.30 p.m. You can find more information at myhopecenter.org. You can also stay connected to us on social media. We are at My Hope Center on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So you can search us up, connect with us. And uh, I hope to hear from you all and see you all very soon. So until then, peace, love, and God bless.